all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. From MPB Think Radio, this is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, where we discuss issues involving your children as they're growing up. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. High blood pressure, also known as hypertension, is a very common chronic disease that we see in our adult patients. And now, unfortunately, it's becoming a common chronic illness that we see in our kids and teens. So today we're going to be talking about high blood pressure, the symptoms, the causes, the treatments, and any questions that you might have. So give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens and MPV Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. High blood pressure, also known as hypertension, is a very common chronic disease that we see in our adult patients. And now, unfortunately, it's becoming more and more common in our kids and teens. So today we're going to be talking about high blood pressure along with the symptoms, causes, treatments, and any questions that you may have. As usual, we'll be taking your questions and comments, and we'd love to hear from you. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can always send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So hypertension is probably one of the more common chronic illnesses that I treat in my adult patients. And unfortunately, we're starting to see it a lot in our kids and our teens. Um, Just in clinic yesterday, I think we had at least three, maybe four uh, kids that were on high blood pressure medicine in our clinic yesterday. So it's becoming more and more common. Um, We're seeing it a lot. Most of it is related to uh, the obesity epidemic that we're seeing in our kids and teens. Uh, We know that there is a direct correlation between uh, obesity and high blood pressure. And so um, since we're seeing so much obesity in our kids and teens these days, we're seeing a lot of the chronic illnesses like high blood pressure and diabetes and cholesterol problems that we used to only see in our adults, but now we're seeing them more and more in our kids too. So what is high blood pressure? Um, high blood pressure is basically the, the pressure in your blood vessels is higher than it should be. And with that comes lots of potential damage to the arteries, which are the blood vessels that carry blood everywhere. They carry the blood from your heart. Um, it damages your heart. It can damage the blood vessels in your brain, which can lead to stroke. Uh, damages the blood vessels in your kidneys. It can lead to kidney disease. So there's lots and lots of consequences of high blood pressure. The problem with high blood pressure is that it's, we call it the silent killer because you don't really have warning signs. Most people are asymptomatic and don't really have any symptoms. And that goes for all ages, kids, teens, adults, um, our elderly patients. Most people don't realize they have high blood pressure. So it's very important to be going to your doctor to get screened for high blood pressure because most of the time you don't realize you have it. And it's, you know, when you're not treating it because you don't realize you have it, it, that's when it's doing its damage because it takes a while to have the damage done from the high blood pressure. It's not like it happens overnight or even in the first year or so. It takes years for this to happen. So it's very important that you're being screened so that if you, you can find out if you have high blood pressure so it can be treated so that we can hopefully prevent those unfortunate consequences like high blood, um, heart attacks and strokes and heart failure, kidney disease, all the things that come along with high blood pressure. 
So a few statistics on high blood pressure that I found. So there is one in every three adults in the U.S. has high blood pressure, which is crazy. That's about 75 to 80 million people that have high blood pressure. I'm sure many of you listening out there probably suffer from it or have family members that have high blood pressure. So because um, it is very, very common. And of these 75, 80 million people that have high blood pressure, only about half of those people actually have their blood pressure treated and under control. So that's a lot of people walking around out there with uncontrolled high blood pressure that is leading to potential damage to their heart and to their brain vessels and to their kidneys. So want to make more people aware of it and so that we can make sure that we're getting treated for it. We're talking today about high blood pressure, both in our adults and in our kids and teens, and we'd love to hear any questions or comments that you may have. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can also send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. So yeah, so high blood pressure is going to be the increased blood pressure in your vessels. Like I said, very common. Um... Actually, you know, I gave you the statistics on the adults. There's an estimated almost 3.5% of children and teens in the U.S. have high blood pressure. So while that's a ton of adults, that's a lot of kids, too, when you think about it. Um, so it's, it's very concerning. It's something that we need to be aware of, and you need to be getting your yearly checkups for your children. And as adults, you need to be going every year so you can get your blood pressure screened in the, um, in the clinic so we can get it treated. Looks like we have a caller, so we'll go to Anthony. Thanks for calling, Anthony. Yeah, this is Anthony Paul. Thank you for uh, taking my call. Yeah. Uh, What is the appropriate blood pressure within groups? I know there's a new uh, guideline out now that's saying that if you're 16 above and your blood pressure is uh, 115 below and 114 below, that you're in a safe range. Is that true? Yeah, so the American Heart Association came out with some new recommendations uh, in 2017, like later in the year in 2017. Um, and so it kind of changed what some people's thoughts on blood pressure. So there's a there's some people that will say some different things, but based off the American Heart Association's recommendations, which are what most people go by, uh, they have recommended to have a little bit more stricter control on blood pressure. So a few years ago, we weren't as strict on blood pressure. So like you said, once you hit age 60, we were a little more lenient and would say 140 to 150 over 90 is our goal. Now, based off the you know the American Heart Association, they actually want everybody to be somewhere less than 130 over 80 to 90. Um and that includes even as you get older, too. They want, especially if you have other comorbidities, so like diabetes, high cholesterol, things like that, they want us to be more aggressive with treating blood pressure. There are still some guidelines out there that say you can be 140s to 150s um, if you're older than 60. So it kind of just depends. But based off the American Heart Association guidelines, which is what most people are going uh, by these days, is usually 130 over 80. My wife is a physician here in the county, in Sumter County. She works with a lot of hypertensive patients, and she treats them free through natural remedies also. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you like uh, anyone that's interested. She does not charge for people who send the black belt. And you can go online and put a message on there for us, dp3herbs, H-E-R-B-S dot org. Okay. Yeah, I'm all about the natural. If we can keep you off medications for sure, because with medicines come side effects. Um, so, of course, we can always, if we can keep you off medicines and there's some natural remedies that you can find and change your diet, we, I'm happy to do that for sure. That must accompany lifestyle change, correct? Yes, yes. Lifestyle changes is actually the first thing that will tell you to treat blood pressure is lifestyle changes. Correct. And so you can have your blood pressure normalized within four days, but then you have to do that lifestyle change to follow. Yes. It's dp3herbs.org. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much for your call, Anthony. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're talking today about high blood pressure, both in our kids and our teens, and we'd love to hear any questions or comments that you may have. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll go next to Sue. She's in Beaumont. Thanks for calling, Sue. 
Thank you. I'd like to ask you a question. Back in the day, salt used to be implicated in high blood pressure. It's like low-salt diets, no-salt diets to try to keep blood pressure down. And I wondered, though, then I heard this survey that said that no, salt is not really the cause of high blood pressure. So where does salt fit into the whole high blood pressure scene nowadays? It is still there. So, yes, so salt is probably one of our number one drivers of blood pressure. So salt is uh, contains sodium, and so that's really what we're looking for is our sodium intake because sodium is one of the bigger drivers in blood pressure. And actually, a lot of our medications, you'll see that it affects the sodium regulation in your body. So, yes, yeah, so salt is still very, very important. Um, so like the lifestyle changes, like we were talking about with our last caller, One of the first things that we recommend is a low-salt diet. Um, There's one in particular out there that we talk a lot about. It's called the DASH diet. I'm not sure if you are familiar with the DASH diet, but it actually stands for um, diet to stop high blood pressure, diet against high blood pressure. So um, it is based, essentially, it's a Mediterranean diet and trying to do a low-salt diet. So salt is very, very important in controlling blood pressure. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thanks for your call. And we'll go next to Steve. Thanks for calling, Steve. Yeah, I have a question about uh, the uh, uh, in inflammation uh, as far as high blood pressure goes. Uh, is high blood pressure, if you had to, if you had someone who is overweight and inflamed uh, because of some other cause in their body, what what's the... How does that balance out? What is worse, uh, the inflammation or the the overweight as far as causing high blood pressure? Um, Well, it's probably a combination of everything. I don't know if I could really say one more than the other, but usually with all the chronic illnesses, and that includes obesity, there is some inflammation in your body. Um, And we can see that because most of the time if we check inflammatory markers, which we don't routinely, but we know that as you get older and in our obese populations that they do have tend to have a little bit higher inflammatory markers. So I don't I don't necessarily know that it's one more than the other because they kind of all go together. Um, But along with obesity, you get some inflammation and along with other chronic illnesses like hypertension, you your body has some inflammation just in response to the illnesses. Let me ask you a better question. Okay. If someone just has an inf- inflammatory reaction, is their blood pressure going to go up and, and how much? Yeah, so I think it probably depends on which one. I would say most of the time our blood pressure that we diag- high blood pressure that we diagnose in clinic is what we call essential hypertension, that we don't really find a reason for it. Uh, but there are definitely lots of cases of secondary hypertension that could be caused by different react- different processes and reactions that are going in, in your body. Um, definitely in inflammatory diseases, uh, because some of the inflammatory illnesses that we have can affect your kidneys and your heart. And that can secondarily lead to high blood pressure. So, yeah, so definitely some inflammatory reactions um, can lead to high blood pressure. Does that make sense? All right. Well, thanks for your question, Steve. We're talking today about high blood pressure. Uh, We'd love to hear any questions and comments that you may have. So give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll go next to Bob. Thanks for calling, Bob. Uh, Yeah, I'm just going to tell you my experience that I have had with uh, high blood pressure. uh, I'm uh, 75, and I was diagnosed with high blood pressure at 19 years old. And went through uh, a lot of doctors and a lot of medicines and and never really found a really great something to control it. Uh, Had a heart attack about 12 years ago Mm. and uh, had a bypass surgery. And, of course, I was followed up with a cardiologist. Uh, Ever since then, my blood pressure with the medicine he gave us uh, has been pretty near perfect. I mean, the bottom number stays on 72 just all the time, uh, and the top number like 110, 120. And uh, so I guess if you can get the right doctor and you can get the right medicine, uh, don't don't put off 
getting it right. If you can't get it right with a general practitioner or, or whatever doctor you're going to, that's what I did for so many years, trying trying different doctors. But I never did go to a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I think maybe I would have maybe avoided a heart attack by, the, by doing that. But anyway, that's just that's my comment. Yeah, well, thanks for your call, Bob. You bring up a good point because especially in our kids um, that are diagnosed with high blood pressure, a lot of times we will send them to specialists uh, that like kidney doctors and cardiologists or heart doctors like you were talking about. They help us a lot with our kids that are having problems with high blood pressure. Um, there are also some internal medicine doctors out there like Dr. Jimmy Stewart, you know, that does the Wednesday show. He actually did some special training in high blood pressure. So there are some doctors throughout the state that have special training to help treat high blood pressure. So if you're having trouble with your blood pressure and you feel like you're not getting improvement, I think it's definitely very reasonable to talk to your doctor about should you go see a heart doctor or a kidney doctor or maybe a high blood pressure specialist that could help you get better control of that blood pressure. Because sometimes it can be really difficult to treat. Thank you so much for your call, Bob. Next, we'll go to Edgar in Pascagoula. Hi, how are you? Good. Thanks for calling today. Good. My question would be about, um, you know, what are some of the long-term side effects of, of being on blood pressure medicine? So I, that's a good question. I think it depends on which blood pressure medication you're on. Um, so there are lots of different blood pressure medications that we have out there. Um, several right. different classes. So, oh, go ahead. So it's like uh, I think one of them is uh, lisinopril, and I, I, I've heard like of others, but uh, I definitely know lisinopril is one. Yeah. So lisinopril. Lisinopril is a very common one. It's been around for a while. It's very cheap, so we use it a lot in our blood pressure because it works really well. Um, there's another class in a class of medicine called our ACE inhibitors, and that's just the fancy term for the hormones and uh, different things that it works in. There's another class of medicines that's very similar to it. Both of those medicines work on the kidney. They help work on the kidneys to help control the blood pressure. So with that, there are some consequences that you can have. Some people are sensitive to them and can have some uh, increased rise in their creatinine, which is a marker of some kidney disease. It can also affect your potassium in particular. Um, That electrolyte can be altered by those medications. So those are some things that you have to watch long term. Um, you know, there's, like I said, there's so many different classes of medicines. And so there's different things that complications that can come from that, those medicines. Um, and the, the thing with the medicines are, is you can have side effects from the medicines at any point in taking the medicines. Most people experience it pretty soon after starting the medicine, but I mean, it can be years before you see these problems with these medications. Um, so it's definitely yeah. something to be watching. So it just depends on what medicine you're on. Um, Lisinopril in particular, I would say watch the kidneys, watch your potassium. The other side effect that we see a lot with kidney uh, lisinopril is a cough. Um, I'm sure some people right. out there have experienced that. My mom had that problem with lisinopril, so it's very, very common um, to get a cough with a, that medicine. Okay, because, uh, yeah, that's what I, what I have. You know, it, it goes and comes, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the cough is very common. That other class of medicines, the ARBs that I was saying is very similar to the ACE inhibitors. Uh, most of the time when people get switched to that me- class of medicines, they, that cough gets better. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so that may be something to talk to your doctor about because doctor, the cough yeah. tends to get better if you switch to that other class of medicines. Right. Yeah, I, I've been on lisinopril now for about about nine years, so just watching watching that. Yeah, most of the I'll say most of the side effects of the medications and the long term consequences from medicines. They are small and compared to untreated blood pressure. So, you know, you kind of have to outweigh. You got to talk about risk benefits and the benefits of treating the blood pressure strongly outweigh the risk of not treating the blood pressure. So you got to kind of think about that kind of stuff, too. Okay. well, thanks so much for your call. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. And we'll go next to Stephen. Thanks for calling, Stephen. Well, how are y'all today? Good. How are you? I'm blessed by the best. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, 
and and a high blood pressure um, is a symptom of hypertension or uh, high stress. And um, what I do if I'm in pain too much, I take a couple of tablespoons of baking soda and add it to a cup of water and drink it for a pain and then meditation. Um, if we learn to relax, that will um, decrease uh, high blood pressure. It gets your blood pressure back to normal if you can meditate and relax. Yeah, you're definitely right. Blood pressure is really affected by stress. And that stress can be anything, you know, stress from just circumstances going on, stress from pain, like you mentioned. Any type of stress uh, usually makes your blood pressure go up in most situations. So, yeah, if you can, you got to find what helps you manage that stress to help bring your blood pressure down. And if meditation is what helps, that's great. Yeah, uh, baking soda, um, you know, uh, is a solvent of acid. Pain is acidic, and baking soda is the cheapest uh, pain remedy because, uh, you know, in an alkaline environment, acid cannot exist. Pain is acidic. And um, if you just take a couple of tablespoons of baking soda in a cup of water, uh, that can ease your pain and then lay down and meditate and focus to relax. That would uh, completely uh, dissolve high blood pressure. Okay. Well, thank you so much for your call, Stephen. We appreciate that. Health is on the lips of the righteous. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for your call. We'll take a quick break. We're talking today about high blood pressure and hypertension and all the different symptoms and causes and treatments. We'd love to hear any questions and comments that you may have. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 Or you can always send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. High blood pressure, also known as hypertension, is a very common illness that we treat in our adult patients. And unfortunately, we're seeing it more and more in our kids and teens as well. So today we're talking about high blood pressure, all the symptoms, causes, treatments that we have out there. We'd love to hear any comments or questions that you may have. So give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org got a couple more callers so we'll go next to terry thanks for calling terry hi go ahead what's your question yeah i have a two-part question um i'm 42 years old and i take 20 milligrams of um all mestardin uh i guess it's a derivative of the in a car and could first the first question is could you tell me uh, some of the side effects of the vinicar um and also uh when i took it the first time I took the brand name Vinicar, it made my hair grow really long and thick. Um, so right now, and I understand that the Vinicar is so expensive, I had to get the, uh, the generic form of it. So could you tell me if that's a um, side effect of uh, the Vinicar? And the second part of my question is, um, I'm 42 and I want to have a baby. Um, could you tell me if that is even possible um, or what type of uh, health concerns should I have or what are some of the things I can do to get my blood pressure down um, so I can have a baby and um, not have any, um, I guess, dire side effects? 
Yeah. So uh, to your first question, the Olmosartan is a, a medicine in that ARB category that I was talking about with the other caller. So it's very similar to the ACE inhibitors. They're just a little bit differently, but they're working on your kidneys mostly. So the most common things that we want to see, um, it doesn't tend to have the cough like the lisinopril in that class of medicines do, but it can still have the same effects like monitoring your kidney function, need to monitor your potassium because sometimes it can make your potassium go up. So those are a couple of lab tests that need to be monitored, probably just about once or twice a year, depending on how many different blood pressure medicines you're in, but usually at least once a year getting those checked. Um, So that's one of the side effects. The other side effect that I see a lot in the, these class of medicines is, you know, everybody tends to get a little dizzy if you stand up too quickly. That's what we call orthostatic hypotension. So that all the blood kind of pulls in your legs when you first stand up. And so it may make you a little dizzy. That tends to be a little more exaggerated with these class of medicines. So you may notice that you're a little more dizzy than you normally have been when you stand up and change positions. Those are going to be the most common. I have never heard of the the hair changes. Um, You know, medicines can do anything and everything. So I'm not sure, but it's not one of the more common symptoms, uh, side effects that I've seen with that medicine. Um, With regards to pregnancy, yes, you can definitely get pregnant with high blood pressure. There are women with high blood pressure that are pregnant all the time. That particular medication that you're on is not safe during pregnancy. So that if, if that is something that you desire, I would talk to your doctor about finding a safe option that if you were to get pregnant and you were on the medicine, that it would be safe for the fetus. Um, that medication in particular can affect the developing kidneys in the baby. So you got to be really careful. And that's a medicine that we don't use during pregnancy. Okay. Um, also, could you tell me if, um, the mood change, or if I'm, does it make you moody or emotionally distraught? I'm going through like a bout of depression, and I notice that it's getting progressively worse. Um, especially now since I've just started the medication maybe a month ago. Um, is that normally a side effect, or is it common to have a bout of just severe depression? Um, not necessarily. Now, some swings in your blood pressure, I guess, could potentially affect your mood. Um, because if your blood pressure is too high or too low, that make you may make you feel a little more lethargic and tired. That could affect your mood and maybe make depression symptoms worse. Um, but the medication in particular, I don't think necessarily should. I would think it's probably more related to changes in your blood pressure than anything else. Maybe making you feel a little more tired and affecting your mood, making it feel a little more down. Yeah, I just want to get off of it. I mean, other than changing my diet and exercise, um, it's just just very debilitating for me to be on a medication and dependent on it. And it's just, I feel feel really horrible. Yeah. That makes it part of the depression, too. Yes, for sure. Nobody likes to take a medication, and most of the time, lifestyle changes can help. Um, But, you know, sometimes we think genetics probably play a role in high blood pressure, and, you know, it tends to run in families. And especially with you being as young as you are being diagnosed with high blood pressure, um, it may be that some of it is just what has run in your family, and sometimes that's a little bit harder to treat, and lifestyle changes don't always let you come off medicines. Um, if that's the case. Uh, but I definitely think I would continue to try the lifestyle modifications because sometimes you never know. You can come off medicines. Yeah, like a uh, change of job. I have a stress, very stressful job because I know um, you said to the earlier caller that job or stress. So if my job is a very stressful job, um, if I change jobs, um, that, could that possibly job stress? Oh, for, sh- for sure, for sure. I've had several patients in clinic that um, have high blood pressure, but also have underlying anxiety and depression and just very stressed out. And we, once we get that better controlled, and that may be another medication that we have to use to treat that, but if we can get that better controlled, a lot of times we don't even have to use high blood pressure medicines. So it may be something to talk to your doctor about um, your different mood disorders and see if maybe that would help getting that better under control could help take care of your blood pressure. We thank you so much for your call, Terry. You've had some great questions. We'll go next to Charlotte. Uh, Yes, I'd like to share an idea. Um, I had an aunt um, who had uh, high blood pressure to the point of even having three aneurysms and 
uh, an elderly lady told her about drinking ice cold water for spikes of blood pressure, and it always, I don't know how it worked, but it worked for her. And also my father, uh, when I introduced him to the Mediterranean diet that I've done since the 90s, he went from three blood pressure pills, three different brands, to none and lost about 30 pounds. Yes, that's awesome. Yes, so we definitely know that the Mediterranean diet or uh, the DASH diet is the term, that the one that we use, but it's very similar to the Mediterranean diet, and the thought process is the same, but it's essentially lowering your sodium and trying to eat more fruits, vegetables, lean meats, um, just like the Mediterranean diet would suggest. And, yeah, if you follow that diet, coming off three blood pressure medicines is great. Usually I tell people it can take the place of at least one blood pressure medicine, but three, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for your call, Charlotte. We're talking today about high blood pressure, both in our adults and in our kids and teens, and we'd love to hear any questions and comments. So give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll go next to Pat in Hernando. Go ahead, Pat. Uh, yes, I was diagnosed with essential thrombocythemia um, in the beginning of 2017, and uh, I'm taking a Nagrolide for that. Uh, and my blood I didn't have any blood pressure problems prior to being on the medicine, but after time, I did develop high blood pressure that I think uh, is probably related to the uh, Nagrolide that I'm taking for the uh, blood cancer. Uh, my doctor put me on Rosuvastatin to uh, lower, let me see it. Uh, the cholesterol, I've had high cholesterol all of my life, but I haven't uh, had high blood pressure until I was on the Enagrolide. And then after my blood pressure went up, my doctor put me on amlodipine, and he had to recently double the dosage of the uh, amlodipine. Um, I was two weeks ago diagnosed with a pinhole in my heart. And I'm wondering if all of this is interrelated. Um, Again, I've had high cholesterol. It was diagnosed when I was in my early 20s, and I was on um, a cholesterol medicine uh, for a while back when I was in my 40s, but it gave me extreme um, indigestion. So I stopped taking that and didn't take anything for for about 20 years after that until uh, my doctor put me on high blood pressure medicine, uh, what, about a year ago. So I'm wondering if all of this is interrelated. Uh, Is there any correlation, do you think, uh, there might be between the uh, nagrolide and the amlodipine and the vasubostatin and now a small pinhole in my heart? So um, I I think the essential thrombocythemia that you have in general may cause some elevations in your blood pressure, just having that thrombocytosis and that elevation and changes in your blood um, blood counts and blood thickness and everything like that. That probably could lead to some high blood pressure um, just in general. Um, you know, the necrolide that's your own, it, it definitely prob- potentially could. I think the risk is pretty low that it could be. Um, causing that, but it it definitely is a potential side effect of the medicine. I just looked it up, and it's actually only 1% of patients have that as a side effect with that medication. Um, So it could be some other different things that you're, you know, that are um, going on potentially with that essential thrombocythemia that you have. That could be more related to it than the medication itself. Um, The cholesterol medicines don't usually cause high blood pressure. Now, there is an association with diabetes. Some people may have heard that. Um, the there is an increased potential risk for diabetes. Uh, there's an association when your own cholesterol medicines, but not necessarily high blood pressure in particular. Mm-hmm. With the hole in your heart, was it or the pinhole in your heart? Is it? Uh, did they tell you a term for that? Um, I did research it on um, the Mayo Clinic website, mm-hmm. and I can't remember the name of the element, but it's where the uh, there's a pinhole in the left chamber, and the blood from the left chamber uh, bleeds into the right chamber. 
Yeah, that's usually, so you can, most people, if they're going to have that, it's going to be in the two upper chambers. So, you know, you have four chambers to your heart. So um, in between the two upper chambers, sometimes you can have a little hole. And in between the two bottom chambers, sometimes you can have a little hole. Mm -hmm. Um, Most of the time people are born with those. Um, I think the the two upper chambers, I want to say the number is about almost a third of the people are walking around with a hole in the upper parts of their heart. Um, and don't ever know they have it because most of the time you're completely asymptomatic based off the size of it if it's really small. Um, so if it's one of those, I, I, you were probably born with it. Um, and I don't think it's necessarily related to the medication. Okay. What, what, what do you think would be the prognosis for something like that? Is it curable? Um, so it just depends. Most of the time, we don't necessarily do anything about it. It depends on the size of it, especially if it's in those two upper chambers. Now, the two bottom chambers, sometimes we do end up having to treat. Um, so that's called a VSD when it's in the lower chambers. And that would be something you would need to see a heart doctor about. Um, in the upper chambers, it's called an ASD or atrial septal defect. And most of the time, like I said, we don't necessarily do much about it unless you're having symptoms. Um, The other thing is if you've had a stroke before, because um, sometimes that can be not necessarily a cause of the stroke. It's uh, when the blood clot bypasses your heart because of that. And so in that case, you would get that fixed. But it would just I would recommend going and asking your doctor to to see a cardiologist so that you could talk about all the different options there and if they feel that it's necessary to repair that. Most of the time, like I said, people are just walking around and don't realize they have it. And we just find it, you know, by chance, by having to get a picture of their heart for something unrelated. And we see that they have an ASD there. Well, this isn't the first time I've had uh, echocardiograms down of my heart, but this is the first time the leak in the, I think it's in the lower left valve, was detected. And uh, I'm just wondering if um, it's related to, uh, say, the anagrolide that I'm taking. Yes. And when you said, um, you know, possibly fixing it, what, what would be a fix for something like that? Yeah, so the if it was related to the hole in the heart, we would patch that is what the what they do. Um, and it just depends if it's surgery or if the cardiologist can do it uh, in the, you know, in their procedure room. The Now, the valve is compl- is different. So, um, again, I don't necessarily think the medication would call a valve. That's pro- a valve changes. That's usually just as you get older or um, there are certain other causes that can predispose you to that but usually it just happens as you get older so the valve thing is a little different than a hole in the heart Um, but again I would just recommend going and seeing a cardiologist so that you can talk about all your different options and as long as you're feeling okay and not having any symptoms most of the time we can just watch those so thank you so much for your call Pat we're talking today about high blood pressure. We'd love to hear any questions and comments that you may have, so give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 We'll go next to Craig. Thanks for calling, Craig. Hi. Uh, I was wondering if uh, dehydration plays a major part in your blood pressure and if uh, low blood pressure has any serious problems. Yes. So dehydration, not so much in high blood pressure, um, but if you're on high blood pressure medications and you're not drinking enough fluids, especially if you're on medications like diuretic medications that we use a lot to help bring blood pressure down, that would make you more predisposed to getting dehydrated. And if you're not drinking enough, not necessarily the high blood pressure, but it definitely can bring your blood pressure down and make it lower. Um, With regards to what happens if your blood pressure gets too low yes you can definitely have complications with that as well um you can get dizzy we have people pass out um we take care of a lot of people actually in the hospital that come in for passing out and most of the time it's related to dehydration and low blood pressure it also if you go long enough being dehydrated it can cause a little damage to your kidneys that usually recovers really well with some iv fluids but it can cause um some damage to your kidneys too okay Thanks so much for your call, Craig. Great. 
We'll take a quick break. We'd love to hear any questions you may have about high blood pressure or any comments. Give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod, Assistant Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC. Today we've been talking about high blood pressure, also known as hypertension. It's a very common illness that we treat in our adults, and we're seeing it more and more in our kids and teens. So we'd love to hear any questions or comments that you may have. We've had some wonderful callers, and we've got a few more minutes left, so give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can send us an email at kids at mpbonline.org. We'll go next to Marco. Thanks, Marco, for calling. Are you there? I think. We... Hello. Yes, I'm here. Okay. Hello. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Thanks for waiting. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, well, uh, I had uh, bradycardia, and uh, my blood uh, pulse rate was like 44, and I'd, at sleep at night it would drop below. Uh, 40 into the 30s. Anyway, I, I went to a uh, doctor, and uh, I had, oh, uh, the reason why I had to go, because I had high blood pressure, just shot up out of nowhere uh, to 188, something like that. And I, usually it was always a little borderline, about 138 over 70, and uh, uh, and my pulse rate around about 40. Anyway, to make a long story short, they put a they, uh, they, they thought I had blockage. They went under. They operated on me, and while I was there, they couldn't find any blockages whatsoever. So they put a pacemaker in me for my bradycardia, mm-hmm. and my pulse rate is now at sixty. And uh, how? And they gave me a blood uh, pressure, uh, high blood pressure medicine called Darby. It's a new one, uh, and it's only been out a few couple of years, I think. Anyway, uh, I. I I, it gives me uh, uh, di- oh, diarrhea a lot, and but my blood pressure is is only down. It's still a little high. It's still like 140, um, sometimes high 130s again. But uh, and but I keep taking this uh, blood pressure, and uh, you know, it's, is there any other? What can you do about that? Because it makes uh, and then every once in a while, my blood pressure will still spike up to 170, something like that. Yeah, so I would say definitely talk to your doctor about it uh, because there are. You have. Well, you know, especially if if you're having side effects from the medication, you know, there's so many different medicines out there that we have, and there's different classes of medicines. There's different medicines in each class of medicine. And sometimes some people will do fine on one medicine in one class, and then they they tolerate a different one totally. They can't tolerate the other one. And it's in the same class, and you would think that it shouldn't make that much of a difference. So maybe if your blood pressure has responded to that medicine, but you're having the side effects, they could potentially change to a similar medicine. Um, And, you know, depending on your age, I'm not sure exactly how old you are, but depending on your age, our blood pressure goals sometimes tend to change a little bit. We aren't as aggressive the older you get. Um, So that may be why they've been a little hesitant to add too many more medications on for your blood pressure. Um, but the, yeah. I would I would say talk to your doctor and see if there's any other medication that you could potentially change to, um, especially since you're having the side effects, and maybe either a different medicine in that class or a whole class altogether different. 
Well, I hope I hope so. But I mean, I was in exceptionally good uh, shape. I, I I am older. I'm 79, but I I run and swim and go to the gym four times a day, that sort of thing. And uh, this whole thing just came up out of nowhere, and they uh, tagged it with the bradycardia, with my pulse rate being as low. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, the well, medicine thing. Uh, all right, I'll keep I'll keep after them, but they don't seem to want to do anything. Yeah. Well, Barbie is a you know, as you get older, we see our blood pressure tends to get a little bit higher just in general, um, and it right. can be a little bit harder to treat as you get older. A lot of times that top number, that systolic number, gets pretty high as you get older, and the bottom number right. is usually a little bit lower. So it kind of becomes a balance of how aggressive do we have to be treating that top number because we don't want to drop yeah. your bottom number too much, too. Well, my bottom number is already uh, pretty good it's like uh 60 mostly yeah so that that may be part of the reason because if we give you medicines just to drop that top number we may bottom out that bottom number so we kind of got to find the balance for that and you know with that that bradycardia that you were saying you're not alone we see that a lot um as patients get older um, a lot right. of times that we see that it's just some changes in your heart. So you're not alone in that. There's a lot of people okay. out there suffering with that same as you. So you think the pacemaker was a good step then? Right? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Okay. 40 is a really right. low heart rate. Yeah. Okay. So, right. Thanks. Thanks yeah. very much. Yeah. Thank you so much for your call. We'll go next to Kay. Thanks for calling, Kay. Okay. Am, am I on? Yes, ma'am. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. How did you know who this was? Well, I guess everybody knows me anyway. (laughs) (laughs) They tell us your name when you call in. They put it up on the screen for us. Well, I didn't give it to them. That's the thing about it. I don't give them my name or where I'm from. And they will say, well, it's on the screen, Kate from Memphis. I don't know. Well, Um, what's your question today? Okay, okay. Um, On a high blood pressure, I wanted to know now for years, I just took um, a simvastatin. The, yeah, every morning, you know, and when I went to the doctor, he check, I'm a retired medical social worker. I know, ought to know better than this. But anyway, I have a new cardiologist, and I am, uh, I, I have amlodipine, but I just don't have high blood pressure anymore. I, I check it twice a day, and I have not had to take even a half of amlodipine in probably a month. I don't know what to credit it to. I eat very healthy. I have a combination of the old pyramid and good old country cooking. So <laughs> um, I eat very healthy. I get a moderate amount of exercise, but I'm 88. So there's, and I have some limitations on some exercises. I try to walk. But I wondered what, what could account for the fact that I really no longer have high blood pressure. In fact, it stays most of the time below 120. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure your healthy lifestyle is contributing to that. You know, watching what you eat and exercising plays a big role in the control of high blood pressure. So I'm sure that is playing a big role in it. Um, I'm I'm also 88 years old. So Yeah, and you know, usually, like I was saying, as you get older, a lot of times it's a little more difficult to control the blood pressure because it usually goes up a little bit as you get older. So I'm not I'm not exactly sure, but it sounds like probably your lifestyle that you live, it sounds like you live a very healthy lifestyle and that's probably contributing a lot to it oh yeah i still believe in the old pyramid yes. i get my two of everything every day so um and i try to you know get uh, as much exercise as i can but i use a cane and uh, i can't walk up and down the street anymore so I, I have a big circular drive so i walk around and around and around it and people think what the devil is she doing walking around there? So, well, that's awesome. Anyway. 88 years old and only having to take one medicine. That's very impressive. So that's you've done a great job taking care of yourself. Yeah, well, that was that, that old country country living. I was born in the country, and I lived in the country until I got out of, of, of college, and um, I still carry on the lifestyle. So Yes, well, you're doing a great job, so keep up the good work. Okay, thanks. thanks. I just wanted to check. I, I thought I could wait and talk to Dr. Jimmy. I, I listened to him when it was kids and teens. Yes, I And your kids and teens. So I just listened to whatever medical program is on. So yes, my radio well, say something. So. Well, thank you so much for listening to us. We appreciate okay. it. Okay, thanks for the answer. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Right. 
So we've been talking today about high blood pressure. Uh, we appreciate everybody's calls. We've had some great calls and questions. So one thing I just wanted to touch base on, I know we, we talked about, um, you know, what the normal values are for our adults and what we want our goals to be for adults and having it less than 130 over 80. Um, for our kids, I just kind of wanted to make you aware that our goals are a little different. So up before age, once you turn 13, we go based off our adult numbers. Um, but before 13, we don't necessarily look at numbers per se. So we look more at the percentages. So we have a big chart that we look at and we look and see where you fall and based off compared to other kids that age. So we look at males versus females. We have a chart for males. We have a chart for females. And then we also base it based off your height percentages. You know, every time you go to your kid goes to the doctor, we look at your weight and height percentages. So when we're looking at the blood, what the blood pressure should be for our kids, we look at it based off male versus female and what your height percentage is. And based off of that, we know where you should fall in the normal range and what percentile you fall at. So the reason I say that is because, you know, if your child is going to the doctor and you see that their blood pressure is only 105 over, you know, 75, which would be a great number for an adult. But for a kid, depending on their age, that may be actually elevated. So it's something to make sure that you're talking to your doctor about Starting at age three, we recommend everybody get their blood pressure checked at least once a year. Um, and that goes from age three all the way up. Uh, adults need to be getting their blood pressure checked every year. Kids need to be getting their blood pressure checked every year. A lot of people do suffer from white coat hypertension or that high blood pressure that you get when you come to the doctor just because of you're nervous or whatever circumstance it may be. Um, so sometimes you do need to monitor your blood pressure at home. But if you don't have a history of high blood pressure, you know, you don't always necessarily have to monitor at home as long as you're going for your yearly exams and getting your blood pressure checked at least once a year. Um, because we definitely want to make sure that we're treating it if you have high blood pressure so that we can prevent heart attacks, we can prevent strokes, we can prevent kidney disease and all the unfortunate complications that come with high blood pressure. This has been Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. It's a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and generous support from listeners like you. Today's show is engineered by Jay White. I'm Dr. Morgan McLeod. Join us next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.